Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Reno is in. Reno, Las Vegas. Of course, Henderson, North Las Vegas. Covering the state. Well, not all of it, but you get my point. Willie's here. Battleborn, uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center is the location. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Make sure you give uh, Matt and Justin at Battleborn a call if you have any issues. 766-1400 from anywhere in the state. Some free agent news, which we'll be hitting on over the next couple hours. But a couple quick hitters here. Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, now the new Raiders quarterback. That came across this morning. $67 million, three years, $34.5 million guaranteed. They're starting to add to the defense. Brandon Faison is brought back after a year in uh, Indy. We don't know the terms of that deal yet. Um, also a safety in Marcus Epps, strong safety, who was one of the best run-stopping safeties in all of football. Not great in pass coverage, though. So it's kind of interesting mix there. So they're beefing up the defensive backfield. They've got a starting quarterback. Now they need a backup quarterback, and free agency is here, and players are signing all over the place. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So we got NFL free agency, bracketology, Lady Rebels going to the NCAA tournament, and all Willie has wanted to talk about every break. I told you, dude. I told you. You were right. For the AP, Willie covered Power Slap. They had an event here in town in their small venue over on the campus of UFC, the Apex. So first of all, tell me what the setup is because we've seen it on TV. I just wonder what, you know, two guys standing on a stage getting ready to slap each other is like in terms of the fan, you know, the sight lines and the whole setup. It's so it, it, it looks exactly like what you see and what you can imagine if you've watched a UFC event from the Apex specifically, because that's what I was thinking. I, all, all you're looking and picturing is, the cage is missing. So it's just, it's, it's stadium style seating, floor seats. They come in from opposite sides. They got the whole ring entrance with the music or stage entrance. I should say they're called strikers, not slappers to stage their matches. Um, I was getting all the vernacular down for my story. And when I tell you the energy was lit, from match yeah. one of the preliminary bouts, yeah. I am going to publicly apologize and say I was wrong. I never said it wasn't a sport, but I just said I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You've been watching this series leading up to the first championship. Steve, I told someone last week, yeah, well, I, good, I, I, I'll good. i be over at <laughs> UFC Apex for my first and the last time I'll cover. Oh, you said last? Going in, you're like, this is crap. I'll go back. Okay. I, I will go back. Uh, Ron Beta won the heavyweight title. You caught up with the Wolverine. The Wolverine and asked him, hey, heavyweight champ, how does it feel? Uh, it feels great. I mean, I had to get past somebody that I've been trying to for years. So it's been, a, it's been an amazing thing, you know, amazing feeling all the way from coaching my guys all the way to uh, winning this main event. The storyline behind you, too, also, in, in terms of the destroyer, right? Um, 
27 rounds you guys went once went here obviously regulated it was a five round bout but tell me about the 27 round match um man we kept going back and forth it was a it was a great match um and uh, he just he clubbed me early in the eye, and then the doctor stopped in around 27. But you know, here it's just uh, I guess it was just my night. I spoke to a couple of different people around the arena tonight. The energy that was in this building, um, uh, Koa, the crazy Hawaiian, he said that Dana White has now taken it to a different level. You've been in this game for a while. What has Power Slap now done for this sport? Uh, Power Slap has put it on, you know, televised TV, and I mean, it's it's a great show to watch live. I mean, it's uh, Dana White's done amazing with this sport. It's it's honestly great. You, you've been in obviously different events around uh, the country. What what was the energy like in this building tonight? Uh, the energy was uh, man, it was awesome. Uh, everybody screaming. I mean, just for having, you know, trying to think of the word, um, just for having a limited number of fans, it was just, it was mind-blowing. It's a small venue, but there was, the energy was crazy. You had some chants at the end there, people chanting the Wolverine, but you had two-time World Series champion Shane Victorino, NFL players, Max Crosby from the Raiders, the bussing with the boys, they're back here, uh, you know, but... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just a ton of it's celebrities in the house who yes, were excited sir. about this. Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly awesome. I mean, I didn't even know half them guys were here yet. I mean, I've been in the back the whole time, so to have them guys out here cheering for this sport is just it's amazing. Ron, the Wolverine Beta, the new and first ever heavyweight champion, Power Slap. We appreciate you joining us on Goldfield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Thank you, sir. It's been a been an honor. So Willie's been converted into the uh, power slap, and it seemed like almost every fight finished on a big slap. Uh, obviously, for gambling purposes, the coin flip is a ma- massive deal. You got to know that going in, whoever wins a coin flip they don't has, know a, until has the, a big advantage. They don't know until they get out there, apparently. That's what I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't know until they got out there. Nine out of the 12 bout, uh, matches ended with a knockout. And let me tell you this. They escorted me behind the, in the back where they do – where. Um, can't think of her name now. Charlie was back there doing the interviews. S- s- after the whole thing, they asked me back there so I could grab some one-on-ones, um, grab Dana. The four champions, you just heard this guy talk. The quietest, humblest. There was one guy who was a little rambunctious, but the other guy, AJ, who won the light heavyweight, the nicest. Do you know what they could? Three of them said they couldn't wait to do? Get home to see their kid. I mean, it was like I, I'm waiting. It's, I'm waiting for some WWE type hype, and, and you know, they were quiet. Yeah, a lot of the dude, a, a lot of the big mouths got their faces slapped shut. That too. They did. A lot yeah, of the yeah, talkers. They did. They did. Got freaking yeah. knocked out yeah. cold. Number three. So we know running back around the National Football League, Willie, is uh, quite the dilemma at the highest level. What do teams do? You're going to pay guys 10, 12, 14, 16 million dollars a year. Raiders are dealing that, uh, dealing with that with the uh, franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. Should they give him a long-term deal? Uh, it's up for debate. It's up for debate. What do the Chargers do? Because Austin Eckler, apparently, and the Chargers, their long-term talks are not going well. And Eckler said, hey, let me talk to some other teams so maybe we can work out a trade. Should the Chargers let Austin Eckler walk and you know, not pay him 11, 13, 15 mil a year? They've had him uh, currently on a deal. I think it's four years and about 25 mil. So they've had him on the cheap. Well, 
Now he wants to get paid at 27. Seems like we hear the story all the time with running backs. Yeah, it's a bad sign. That, that uh, man, that graphic that you shared, I think you sent it to me or somebody which came out right after, like a week after the Super Bowl, the one that listed yeah. what the however many past 12 running, uh, Super Bowl winning teams with the run. It's a bad look for running backs. There's no bargaining chip. I mean, so so who's paying it? And and the question isn't really, well, who's going to step up and pay these guys? It's why? If they're not playing, if they're, if it's proven that you don't have to be a, get yourself a high-priced running back, why pay the toll? I mean, I get it. You're putting your body through hell. Josh Jacobs injured after the previous season, and he talked about everything that he went through mentally to prepare to recover in April and then go through the program that he put himself through to prepare both mentally and physically. And then he come, he's the NFL rushing champion. Now he's franchise tagged, but he, he he wants and deserves the money for what, the, for what you put your body through, but it's proven you don't need to pay the price. Super Bowl winners, the best running back on those teams, uh, generally didn't make more than two and a half million dollars. And now, top running backs command somewhere between ten and seventeen million a year. And more and more organizations are saying, "No thanks, we'll go on a one-year deal." And if you don't like that, then you can walk, and we'll get something to replace you on the cheap. Number two. So Jimmy G in. That means Jared Stidham is out. Stidham goes to the Broncos as a backup, incentive-laden deal that'll get him ten mil if he plays a lot. Over two years, he's guaranteed five. I think you're a little disappointed. You were hoping that Jared Stidham could be the bridge, a very cheap bridge, very cheap bridge instead of a guy like Jimmy G. Yeah, I definitely, I I was definitely hoping to see that he would stay and then they'd bring someone in young and then they would build around that. Um, I like to move for Stidham just behind the offensive mind of Sean Payton. I mean, forget about learning from Russell Wilson and playing behind him. I mean... Peyton's going to come in. I mean, I think it'll benefit Stidham. I mean, and here's the thing. Josh McDaniels, I've ridiculed and been very harsh and critic as him as a head coach. Let's not escape the fact that he's been a fantastic offensive coordinator. So Stidham will have been able to absorb tutelage from a great offensive coordinator and now a great offensive head coach in Sean Payton. So I think that I think the move benefits uh Stidham big time. You see that Sam Darnold signed a deal. He's planning to go to the Niners. So the Niners will now have Darnold and Lance and Purdy. I'm guessing Purdy's not gonna be ready until mm. November or towards the end of the season after he just got surgery on Friday. It's interesting here how some of the cheap bridge guys are now signing up as backups instead of waiting for all the chairs to be full. Maybe there's a couple of starter gigs out there because we're all waiting on the Jets. I don't think anything came down, right, on Aaron Rodgers. I wonder what the Jets' backup plan is. I don't it think wouldn't have been Sam Darnold. I can't imagine. And I don't know that it could have been Stiddy, but well, I know you were pushing Jared Stidham as a starter in this league. Yes. Um, I don't know if the Jets have a backup plan outside of. I'm sure they have a backup plan. Well, it better turn into a quicker plan. <laughs> uh, a, a well, plan what do you do? This better... guy's going to do whatever he wants. Aaron Rodgers is going to do what he wants. You're not going to rush him. This, believe me, the second you rush him, he'll be, I'm out. I'm done. I control this. I mean, he's on McAfee. I think it's every Tuesday, so you would assume he's going to have an answer pretty soon here. Top story. Number one. Well, for you guys in Reno, the fact that uh, Nevada made the field is just boffo because I think there was a lot of depression after the loss against San Jose State, but they make the field. They're one of the last teams in. 
in a play-in game against Arizona State. Uh, that's going to be tremendous. We're going to talk to Shannon Kelly in just a couple minutes from Nevada Sportsnet. Great storylines, so I won't definitely want to get uh, Shannon's take on some of the former pack players who bolted on Steve Alford now having to play their way into the tournament against Steve Alford. And we also mentioned earlier, in terms of a coaching advantage, Hurley is a solid coach. He's not spectacular. Steve Alford's a really good coach. So the coaching mismatch in this one, the gap could be pretty big. Um, in our bracket contest, we don't have to pick that game. Who'd you pick? Nevada. Really? Yeah. Coaching, coaching edge, coaching edge. And I think that, uh, I think Nevada comes in with a bigger chip because of how it ended. Like it feels is like Alfred's going to get the message across, go, look, Stunad, we, uh, yeah, we we, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't be here. They told Hallelujah. us we shouldn't be here. Hallelujah! We got to now prove this is the type of storyline that where where we were like, what what? They, I thought they were in the first four, and then all of a sudden they're in the Sweet Sixteen. That's the type of storyline that they're riding. Oh really? Are you going that far in your bracket? Did you pick them to advance? Well, you checked her on the break. Right now, I'm going to give away some tickets. Big League Weekend number two is here in Vegas at the ballpark. Two tickets to go see the Royals. And the Rockies. It's this Saturday. It's a one o'clock start. You can grab your tickets for Big League Weekend with the Royals and the Rockies at Ticketmaster.com. It's Ticketmaster.com again. It's this Saturday, one o'clock with the first pitch. We got Big League Baseball in town again over at LV Ballpark. Royals take on the Rockies. Caller seven. Caller seven. Caller seven. Three six four eleven hundred. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, let's talk about one of the biggest shockers of the NCAA tournament bracket release yesterday, and that was a Wolfpack team that had lost three in a row going in, was not feeling real good after losses to San Jose State and UNLV and Wyoming, but a lot of respect for the Mountain West Conference. Four teams get in. Shannon Kelly covers the Northern Nevada scene for Nevada Sportsnet. She joins Cofield and Company. Shannon, how are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing pretty good. Like there was something exciting that happened up in Reno yesterday. <laughs> it seems like it because the last time I saw you, you turned around. We were in the media room, and I said, well, so so now what do you got planned? Well, I don't, I, you, you weren't sure what you were doing this week. Now I think I'm, you have something to do. Yeah, I, I have something to do. We, we were so unsure whether it was going to be an NIT bid, possibly a home NIT game on Tuesday or Wednesday, NCAA tournament now, the slim chances, uh, you know, Thursday night, things weren't really looking too good after that loss uh, for the Wolfpack against San Jose State. Yeah, I think the last thing we left off on was that, well, hopefully maybe we'll see you back here for the NIT Final Four and we'll grab a bite and watch the pack. So where were you yesterday? Where was the team? Can you set the scene for us from yesterday? So yesterday, the team was over in uh, the weight room. Uh, their strength and conditioning coach, Matt Eck, they were up in his weight room. They were all watching it together. They had a little light practice beforehand. And my coworker, Alex Margulies, and I were over in our sports office, the two of us watching and just anxiously waiting. <laughs> um, we also had a newscast at 5. We have our 30-minute show. We'll pack all access at 6 o'clock. So we were on some pretty tight deadlines once we did find out. But, uh, yeah, the team was uh, over there. You could 
check it out over on their Twitter at Nevada Hoops. They have a pretty awesome uh, hype video. Uh, just, you know, how excited they were when they found out. It was pretty cool to see. And now that they're in, they're in a interesting scenario here where they get to go against some other old players. So the, the storylines here are tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can paint this one really any better. Keenan Blackshear said yesterday, he's like, I, I didn't think, you know, it would it would end this way. Our season, you know, would come so full circle with Desmond Cambridge and Warren Washington, two guys who were in the program for three years. Uh, now, you know, took that jump to the Pac-12 this past offseason. They were two big pieces that went missing this past year, along with Grant Sherfield, who went to Oklahoma. And now they're going to get to face off against Cambridge and Washington, some former teammates. Uh, pretty, pretty ironic and pretty surreal for two teams that were completely on the bubble heading into this weekend. Shannon Kelly's with us, Nevada Sportsnet. Uh, Wolfpack are in. They're in a playing game. They're against Arizona State. They made the NCAA tournament. That was uh, a shock for many, but a lot of respect shown towards the number five net conference in the country in the Mountain West Conference. Do you know, was there heat on the way out with Alford and the staff and any of these three guys? Do you know if it ended badly with Cambridge or Washington or, you know, even Sherfield, who they're not, they're not playing against because he's at Oklahoma, but was there more to the story than just, hey, we want a new start? Not that I know of. I know, you know, Des and Warren transferred as graduate students. So, you know, going on to their next journey, and that was their third school for both of them. Um, so, you know, I don't know exactly how it all kind of shook out when everybody parted ways, but Coach Alford said yesterday, you know, he respects the two of them a lot and what they were able to do here, and they really weathered the storm Last year, I mean, a team that went under 500, um, you know, they battled through it, and they were a part of some of the, the higher highs in the two seasons before. They just didn't quite get over that hump of uh, making it to the tournament while they were part of his team here at Nevada. Reading the uh, preview by Chris Murray on Nevada Sports Night, it looks like uh, Cambridge is going to be a big key in this game to stop because if he shoots the three ball well – uh, this is a much better Arizona State team. But on the season, they're not a very good three-point shooting team. So defending them might be, hey, let's cut off uh, most of the penetration and uh, not allow them to shoot threes, but we'd rather have them shoot from deep unless they're making it. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly one of uh, Cambridge's strong suits at Nevada. When he would get on a roll, when he would hit the three, he would seem almost unstoppable at times. Uh, so, you know, if they can stop that and ball pressure. I mean, Jared Lucas said, you know, when he played up at Oregon State, he said, you know, I played them about five or six times. They know how to put pressure on. They know how to do that, and they do it well. So it's going to be managing, you know, a team that they have never seen before. Uh, I mean, Nevada played them a couple years back, back when Coach Mutz was here um, down in L.A. at the Staples Center, but that was many moons ago. So... We'll see. I think it's going to be uh, big, though, if Nevada can can stop Cambridge. Who's going to have the better scouting report on who? Yeah, right. Exactly. I was I was <laughs> thinking the matchup with uh, Will Baker too, and and Warren Washington. You know, uh, both guys have to be familiar with each other because they were going head to head. You know, KJ Himes as well in the mix. He didn't play this year, but um, that's a hell of a matchup. And and really. Uh, the pack need Will Baker to be Will Baker of the end of the season up until the tournament, up until that UNLV game. He can't be UNLV Will Baker. He's got to be, you know, 16 and 8 rebound guy, Will Baker, if they're going to have a chance to win, but going against a very familiar foe in Warren Washington. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be a great, great matchup inside there. I mean, two guys who knew each other and, and split a lot of minutes, uh, obviously know each other's tendencies really well. Um, and now it's a matter of who, you know, has kind of taken a step forward this year and, and done some stuff that maybe they didn't really know about each other uh, when they were teammates. But I think that's going to be that's going to be great. And as you said, will will has to be the will that Wolfpack fans saw at Waldo Event Center all year. If it's the will that was you know in that UNLV game, even the San Jose State game, they were guarding him so tough. He just he couldn't get anything going inside. He only attempted two shots in that game. I mean that that can't be an answer if they want to try and come away with a win. Speaking with Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sports Net. Um... So, Shannon, I, I read a story from Myra Metcalf, and he was just did a small capsule on every single team and mentioned the word poise. This team has poise. This is definitely something that this team's going to have to have when you consider they have to be thinking to themselves that they got in by the skin of their teeth like everybody else thought they were out. They had to think the same things. Like, will they be able to sort of use this to catapult maybe, use some motivation? How, how do you see them mentally preparing for this? I think, you know, poise, that's a great word because now that they're in, there's no tomorrow. I mean, you, nothing's guaranteed at this point. Nothing necessarily was even guaranteed after the tournament. We didn't really know what was going to happen. So I would hope that after dropping those three games that they had motivation because they are in the tournament now. And Coach Alford said he felt like his guys were playing so tight and they weren't seeing themselves necessarily. And now he could see them lightening up because they got in. They care so much. They want to be playing in this tournament. And now – they are, and they're here. So now it's, okay, you have to go back and you have to execute what your coaches are saying. You know, Keenan Blackshear said after that game against San Jose State, we weren't executing what our coaches were telling us. We weren't executing the game plan. And they can't do that if they want to have a shot of moving on to play TCU. Shannon Kelly's with us. You realize we're between a rock and a hard place on this game. Uh, people <laughs> here certainly don't want to root for the pack, but the problem is on the other side is Bobby Hurley and – Rebel fans have had a 30-year uh, dislike of Bobby Hurley. So this is one of those you're like, I don't think I'm going to watch. I will. Uh, a lot of Rebel fans might be like. I don't know. I'm a longtime Las Vegas. I've always said, and same thing with Gorman, right? Bishop Gorman. You, you either Back in my day, the 10 high schools, you either went to Gorman or you disliked them. But it wasn't for the reasons people don't like them now. It was just typical. Same thing. But if UNLV has no, is not impacted in any way, shape, or form, you root for your in-state team, bottom line. And against uh, Hurley, you're definitely rooting for the pack. Hey, Willie nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you're a centennial gal. You know the deal. When it comes to Gorman, I, you're, yeah. it's all, you're against Gorman. But if Gorman's playing a national power and Centennial has nothing to do with it, you're rooting for your in-state, in-city team. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, that's the best way to put it. I, I mean, this type of situation – Probably doesn't happen too often, but I think that's the best way to really put it. I, I just, uh, you know, you see what ASU did last week at the Pac-12 tournament, and they're going to have some momentum. This is going to be, I think, a close game. At least it should be if both teams put their best efforts forward. Nevada Sportsnet, make sure you check them out up on Twitter. Uh, Shannon Kelly underscore TV. Did I get that right? I get that right? Yeah, right? you did. Okay. Yeah, you did. Yes, yes. Yeah, 
Check out some of the features on uh, especially um, uh, Wolfpack softball because they're out to a great start, right? What, 19 and 2? 19 and 2, best start in program history. Nice. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Right, well, awesome stuff for Linda Garza's team. We, uh, we appreciate the time today. We'll track you down uh, maybe later in the week, see how the pack did, and uh, we'll see if they keep rolling. Sounds good. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Thanks, Shannon. There she is, Shannon Kelly. Um, yeah, I don't agree with you guys. Um, well, if I'm a running Rebel fan, yeah, I'm not rooting for Nevada. Um, I don't want to root for Hurley, so now at this point, I got to find something small to root for. Frankie Collins plays for Arizona State, so maybe I'm rooting for Frankie Collins. No, I'm this is now, for- now how other people on the show have come over the top on all this rivalry stuff is put it all aside because the more the Mountain West wins in this tournament, the more units they get in terms of money out of the tournament. So while laughing at the teams that went 0-4 last year, it actually doesn't help UNLV in the long run because this conference needs money. It actually needs those four teams that go to make some hay, make some money, win some games. It's been pretty putrid lately. Root for the pack. Last year, 0-4, going back 15 games now, or 15, yeah, 15 games, going back 15 games, uh, Mountain West Conference in the NCAA tournament is 2-13. and 13. So when we get all smart-alecky about blind resumes and that, oh, you know, the, the committee looks at Power 5 versus Group of 5 conferences and they look at results in the NCAA tournament, this year they didn't, and last year they didn't. There is a trust in the numbers, and Mountain West Conference was a Top 5 conference, so they got rewarded with four teams just like the Pac-12 did. And Oklahoma State, my school Rutgers, got punched right in the freaking nose for not achieving down the stretch. Pac making in over both of them. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. I was just telling Willie during the break, man, I'm fired up about the brackets, uh, especially with this matchup with Nevada and Arizona State because it sets up so well. Bobby Hurley, who I never want to root for, but Frankie Collins is on the team. And then Alfred. It's a tough one for Rebels fans. It's annoying watching all this unfold. It's annoying watching Boise and Utah State and San Diego State. San Diego State won the Mountain West Conference title uh, for the tournament on Saturday. It's, it's annoying watching those three programs emerge as the three best programs in the conference. And then Alford appears to be in real trouble with his most important players transferring out. Then he lands a Gorman kid. Darren Williams turns out to be the freshman of the year in the conference. He goes out and gets some other key transfers, and they make the freaking tournament. How about that? Yeah, and, and we're the the big quagmire is it about UNLV is you can't just go off of like Alfred when he was at New Mexico and built the Lobos into a power and then goes to Reno, you know, and UNLV's somewhat demise here the last two decades. It has nothing to do with that. You have two players that starred for teams that knocked the Rebels out of the Final Four, but the team. Where the most I, always, I always forget about the Alfred playing angle, too. You're right. No, that's the key. Yeah. It's, it's not just the, the fact that he's been a thorn in their side as a freaking coach. coach. It's what he did during his career. Yeah, 1987 Final Four with Indiana. Hit the shot. Then they go on to beat Syracuse in the national championship. Duke, Bobby Hurley, beat UNLV, ends the undefeated season for the back-to-back run, and they go on to win the championship. The problem is, to this day, and we brought this up last week, 
the one thing that lingers when you think about it. You think about Bobby Hurley. You think about Duke. You don't really think that much. There's not as much disdain, but Duke still it. There's still a lot of hatred thirty plus years later. So yeah, you're objective enough to put that aside and pick them to go to the Final Four in our bracket contest. How about that? Look at you. Well, you're trying to win. Well, you can't win, but you know you're trying to win the contest. You can't yeah. win the money. Yeah, you got to put. You got to. You have to. You know, stay. So we got a bracket challenge up at lvsportsnetwork.com. $2,500 in cash to the first place winner, plus a staycation worth about 1000 bucks to the South Point. How cool is that? Dollar Loan Center stepping up with the cash. I'm under SC Radio. That's my handle in the contest. I think mine's Willie G. Okay. So Willie G and SC Radio. My final four is... Should I slow down? Everyone want to... Make notes on their phone. You want to write it down? Yeah, you're going to have everybody get ready. Yep. Don't use my phone. If you're dr- wait, 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 actually, wait. I might have to change it because I don't want everyone in the contest using my phone. If you're driving, pull over. Yes, be safe. Make notes I know because this is, you don't want to. Because then, make, money make then they're going to be tweeting yeah. or they're going to be calling Ari. Yeah. 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 Wait, who did Steve add? We, yeah. we, we need to get his picks. Yeah. The demand is high. All right, my final four is Arizona. And that includes beating Creighton, who I have as a sleeper is kind of a strong word. They're six seed, but uh, I like Creighton a lot before the season. Anyway, Arizona. I actually have the East as upset central with fourth seeded Tennessee going in. Actually, I have Purdue making it to the Elite Eight, but I have Purdue losing. Big, I think Purdue's Glenn, bracket. Glenn I actually Don think Robinson I, ain't walking in. Well, I actually think Purdue's bracket's pretty easy. I don't like their team. I don't like that it's built around a big and young guards. But anyway, I have Tennessee uh, going, and that would actually be in the Sweet 16. Uh, but Tennessee going to the Final Four, and then my other two teams are the Cougars of uh, Houston and UCLA. So Let me Houston, ask you, UCLA, Houston, UCLA, Tennessee, Arizona, Tennessee, Arizona. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself, since they were not in the Big Ten when you went to college, are you a Big Ten guy? I watch Big Ten sports. I'm not a Big Ten region person. But I do thoroughly enjoy when they actually, when what my school can actually. Rutgers in when you went to college? <laughs> the Atlantic Ten, then eventually the there Big is. East. More picks from John Von Tobel. Get in our picks contest. LVSportsNetwork.com. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. All right, here we go. Let's bring in uh, VSIN's John Von Tobel. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's an exciting time, man. March Madness has been underway. Now the tournament's here, first four. The Mountain West has four teams. Oh, I'm so riled up. What do you think of the Mountain West getting four teams in? Uh, they should have gotten three. <laughs> I, th- I don't know. Like, I, th- I don't think Nevada's resume was strong enough to justify getting in. And I know I texted you yesterday, Steve, uh, to justify getting in over Rutgers, who I think who their resume was uh, quite a bit better. But still, even the uh, committee having Oklahoma State ahead of them. But I just didn't think Nevada overall, being the last team in, didn't really make much sense, especially after not getting a, at least a, a solid win in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. They didn't do anything. I mean, once you get past all that, the matchup is interesting against Arizona State in the yeah. play-in. Um, any side on that one? What are you thinking about? You know, and like, because to your point, you're right, right? Like, I don't want to undersell Nevada. It's more about the resume, what they didn't do. Like, right. I think offensively, they've got enough to go toe-to-toe with Arizona State and beat them. 
you know, in the bracket that I filled out for Visa, and I've got them getting in and then beating, uh, they have TCU, I think, if I correct, right, if they win, um, and going on like a little two-game run, they, they're skilled enough offensively, and especially you go back to that game against San Jose State, like when Will Baker can't do really anything, and you're still dropping, I think at one point, was it 13 straight with just two of your guys? Like, there's a lot of talent on this team. So I would agree with the fact that, like, just because they were the last team in and just because I don't think that they were deserving doesn't mean that I think they're going to go in and get wiped by an Arizona State team that's been wildly inconsistent this season. You, uh, you mentioned, you know, teams that just missed out in Oki State and Rutgers. How do you approach those teams in the first round of the NIT? Because I wonder what it's like emotionally if you really thought you were going to make the tournament to try to get up and win the secondary tournament. I mean, North Carolina basically said, you know, our guys aren't going to get up. We're just we're not going to be in it. So, you know, what do you do with some of these matchups with the – I mean, I think there's there's two sides to, hey, I'm a number one seed in, in the NIT. Right, I think so. I know it's a popular handicapping angle to go play on the teams that were snubbed, right, because they – the thinking is kind of what you're alluding to, right? We want to go out there and show that we deserve to be in, so we're going to wipe the floor with our opponent in the NIT. But there are two sides of that coin because there's also a dejected side where you're going in, you're like, we should be playing in this game, man. Like, we should be playing on a neutral site somewhere, even if it's the first four games. We should not be playing in these. So, look, I think that's one of those deals, Steve, that you can make the argument. Like, I like trends like that, right? Because you can make the argument for either side, and then when either side comes in, you just point to your argument and go, see, I was right. So I really would just approach it from a massive standpoint. I would think, too, you want to – I haven't seen anything. You'd have more details than this. Any words coming out of Rutgers, right? Do they sound extra motivational? Have they given credence to the fact that they want to go out and put forth a good performance as opposed to maybe just pack it in because they shouldn't be playing there? I think yeah. that's really important if you want to use that angle. So I, I would stress that if you're going to try to go the motivation route, make sure you actually go and search out what these teams are saying after they get snubbed. Yeah, I'll just tell you that school in particular because they have some old guys who decided to come back. One guy decided to forego the NBA or at least pro basketball. That the motivation now is, hey, we've got to treat these guys right and play well because they're seniors. But I don't know that I'm buying that that handicap. Willie, fire away. Speaking of JVT, Vison. Uh, so you know, John, we wait right on these on the Sunday, and then we wait for the NIT to fold out. You look at the entire line. There's always something that just pops. For me, the very first line, I mean, it's we automatically gravitate toward the dance. But there's a line in the NIT that stood out for me. Is there anything that popped for you immediately that you're intrigued by? Uh, not specifically in the NIT. If I, if I can go to the NCAA tournament, I think there are a couple, Willie. Yeah, I did bet a total, uh, 153.5 in this Arizona-Princeton game. I, I think it's going to be a really fun game. We know that Arizona is an up-tempo team. They're a top-10 team in terms of possessions per game. They're a top-10 team in terms of offensive efficiency in the country. They want to get out and run. And Princeton's a team that in the Ivy League, you know, if you go through some of the numbers, and I know Adam you know, can put a lot behind this too, it's actually a really fast league. they got three teams that average over 70 possessions per game. They want to get up and down the floor in conference play. So Princeton's more than willing to get up and down. And I don't think that they're going to be able to stop Arizona. So one of the immediate plays that I have, I went over 153.5 for Arizona and Princeton. And then from a line standpoint, uh, I did actually, I late, so it's funny. So it opens up Utah State and Missouri. It opened pick. It goes to minus two. I think I missed the move, so I laid two with Utah State. It's now back to minus one, one and a half. So I don't feel too bad about missing out on the best number, but Utah State, I think, is a really intriguing team in this whole setting, guys. Like, you're talking about a team that Ken Palm has inside of the top 20, they're arguably one of the best shooting teams in this entire tournament. Uh, I think that they're going to give a lot of teams, like Missouri, who is a little disappointed defensively down the stretch of SEC play, uh, a run for their money. So I, I think Utah State's sneaky undervalued coming into this thing. I think that's a, a team that can win one or two games. 
Yeah, I think, you know what, you're spot on with Princeton. And I think people are so caught up in the history of Princeton and, and the defense and, and the slow pace and the tight D. And, and they got I think they got caught up in that Princeton-Penn semifinal because I thought I saw a lot of people touting the over. But, I mean, the under. Um, and, and you're right, they, they get up and down. So I agree with you there on the over. The number that kind of shocked me, or not shocked me, I just was like, wow, they're moving on this, is the Liberty Flames. It opened one and a half. It moves to, there's just, uh, to three. Three and a half's out there over Villanova. I thought Villanova finally caught on. They got healthy. Um, they got their guy back. Was it Justin Moore, I believe? And he and, and I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just confused as to why that line moved in favor of Liberty. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I will not lie and act like I know the intricacies of that match. I haven't really looked too much at what the NIT has been looking at, but I do know that Villanova has been a team that I think a lot of people had really started to think was going to make a run in the Big East tournament and start to look a little bit better. Uh, and maybe there was a little bit more, less belief there because uh, Villanova maybe got off to a little bit more of a disappointing end of the Big East tournament. John Von Tobel's with us from VSIN. All right, you're in our uh, LV Sports Network bracket contest. Were you able to cobble together a Final Four? Yes, yes, I, uh, I have officially. So this is what I do is, like, with stuff like this or for VSIN, I'll just construct, like, the same Final Four. I want to be dedicated to it. Uh, so my Final Four that I put together is it's going to be Duke. I went a little chalky. I know that everybody thinks that Duke is kind of coming around, and I'll bite a little bit. I was debating between them and Marquette. Duke well. so I went to Duke. You went Duke? Okay, Willie's got Duke, yeah. too. Oh. Okay. Uh, Alabama as well. So it'll be Duke, Alabama on that end, and Houston and Gonzaga on the other side facing off with one another. Oh, boy. What's a boy? What's a problem? What's a problem? JVT and I both have Alabama Duke, but I don't have either of these other two on the other side. You're sharing a brain. Yeah, I have Houston going to the Final Four as well. I don't have Zaga. Well, I think Houston's bracket's set up, like, really nicely for him, right? Like, there's not – I don't think there's any monumental roadblocks for Houston potentially on the way to a Final Four. There's obviously some challenges along the way should things break, like, the way we expect them to. And and even for Gonzaga guys, like – I think Gonzaga had a beneficial draw. On their end of that entire bracket, right, you get a, uh, a injured UCLA squad that they're going to have to face along the way, you would assume, like all these. I think it was a beneficial draw for both of those teams. You always hear the phrase buy-in. I have not just fallen off. I've bought out on Gonzaga and Mark Few. I think that I think coaches have figured him out. He's failed in two t- championships. I think they've figured out that he always is going to go to his star, and if his supporting cast catches on, great, but if – if their fault, he they he he doesn't get away from it. If so, if they clamp down on Timmy and his supporting cast is doing, I just think that Mark Few gets out coached at this point. He's a great recruiter and he's he's built a program there. But I bought out on Mark Few because I feel he's been out coached in his two national championships, and I think the reason that Gonzaga hasn't won yet is because he 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 just he doesn't he can't coach in the big time. If I could, I would push back and use your own sentence against you. Willie, he made it to two national championships. <laughs> like he's, he's been winning, but like a really high level. Like, how many years consecutively? Uh, Sweet 16? So yeah. I think he's done Through the West Coast. Yeah. They're going to lose to Kansas. All right, John. Give me your reaction to Jimmy G signing with the Raiders. Uh, I, I hope to God that they're getting a young quarterback. Like, I think that's, that's got to be the case, right? Because <laughs> Willie, Willie just did a spit take. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's not, I'm sorry, but like, if if your if your plan is we're going to get Jimmy G and we're going to compete for a Super Bowl, I don't know what you're looking at anymore. Like, I honestly really don't. It, Jimmy Garoppolo is fine, but he's four was raised by that offense that he was in. If you look at some of the downsides of Jimmy Garoppolo, it's health and availability, and it is also turnover worthy plays. He commits a high rate of turnover worthy plays as a quarterback. 
those are not things that are going to be beneficial for you as a team. Will he give you a baseline of quarterback play that will help you win some games that you probably shouldn't? Sure. But if this is your goal, like, let's get Jimmy Garoppolo and try to win the Super Bowl. Like, I just don't understand it. You're just spinning your wheels. Who do you hope is there at seven for the Raiders? Like, if you were if you were a diehard Raider fan, who are you hoping that they grab at seven well, if, they, if it's a quarterback? I mean, if I'm a diehard Raider fan, I'm hoping for Bryce Young. I hope everybody thinks that he's too small and he's falling. But it, realistically, Willie, I think you're hoping for Will Levis, right? I think you're hoping, like, if you're going with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going mm. to fill the role of starter for you, then you're hoping mm. for Will Levis, who then this team can develop. And, I mean, think about going back to Denver, right? Josh McDaniels tried to draft Tim Tebow. Will Levis is athletic, and he's got a much better arm than Tim Tebow did. You can develop that into something behind Jimmy Garoppolo, who could teach him a lot. JVT is up on Cofield and Company. Of course, he does shows with the Sin. Uh, hardwood handicapper still rolling? Yes, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we had a new episode today. We talked about, it's funny, the uh, MVP market's been kind of evolving. Nikola Jokic got as high as like minus 350, but now he's under two uh, under $3. And the weird thing is is that I don't think the market's latching on to the guy that they should, which is Giannis. He's still like 8-1. to one. And Joel Embiid's probability has been rising, which is kind of odd. So it was one of the main topics we talked about today. I saw over the weekend you had on an Oscars handicapper. Did you actually track things and watch it? Because basically, if you wanted to win money, you had to lay a lot of money on everything, everywhere, all at once. No, well, I saw. So I'd say first off, so Brian Ortega is actually one of our producers. He's like a really big Oscars kind of nerd. Uh, and I don't know if you saw one of the clips, but like he actually wore like a full tuxedo, so like, he's super into the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'd call him like an Oscars handicapper or like a really big movie buff, but. He, to his credit, like one of the things that he did point out, like I think uh, Brendan Fraser at one point, like, and we they had had him on like about a month or two ago. Brendan Fraser was like a decent, like I think plus one seventy five at one point to win his award. There were a couple of others that he pointed out. I'm not gonna pretend like I really cared that much, Steve. I did think it was fascinating because he had a ton of trends that pointed to a lot of stuff. And, but to your point, like the winner for best picture was everything, everywhere, all at once. But at one point, you were only laying like a buck fifty. Like these markets actually do move if you're paying attention early on. So it's, it's definitely worth diving into if you have the, uh, the, you know, the broadband for it. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis won in a, uh, the supporting role as an actress at plus 140. So that was a, a late buy you could have gotten that had some, some, decent, some decent value. I also saw last one. You guys um, over the weekend were talking about, going back to the NFL, the number one pick market. Is it not up yeah. anymore? What's going on? What's the update on this uh, now that the Panthers traded up to one? Well, so uh, this is what I don't understand. So C.J. Stroud got as high as now minus 350 to be the first overall pick with the, uh, with the trade, right? And usually, if you see a move like that, there's like a solid bit of information that tells you the Panthers are looking at C.J. Stroud. I can't find that anywhere. The only thing that I can find is Frank Reich likes C.J. Stroud and their owner, whose name always escapes me, likes Bryce Young. And for me, that's, that's not a solid bit of information that gives you an idea of where this team is going to draft. Right? Like, let's go back to the San Francisco 49ers. All indications were that Kyle Shanahan loved Mac Jones. Is Mac Jones a San Francisco 49er? No, right? The front office like Trey Lance, and yep. so they got Trey Lance. So I would very much push back on that number at minus 300, minus 350, and that's starting to come back, right? That, that 350 was the peak. Now it's minus 300. I'm, I'm in on Bryce Young. Like, if you're going to tell me every smart person I listen to is like, if he was two inches taller, he'd be minus 10,000 to go first overall. I don't think teams are really that scared of it, and there's no solid information that should make C.J. Stroud that big of a favorite. So then put the odds back up, right? Well, some places have them. Like, okay. so I, I don't, unless something transpired over the last couple of hours that I did not see, 
uh, some places still do have them up. Okay. And, you know, look, out here in Las Vegas, Steve, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. going to be hard to get these bookmakers to put this thing up more than 48 hours before the deadline. For those who don't remember, they got to pull it down 24 hours before the draft. This has been a losing thing for them, and I think from everybody I have talked to, there's going to be certain shops that don't hang them up, and there's going to be certain shops that are going to wait until, like, Monday to put them up. John, thank you. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Everyone listening now, get into the bracket contest, lvsportsnetwork.com. It's presented by Dollar Loan Center and South Point Grand Prize worth over $3,000. 2500 of it is in cash from the Dollar Loan Center. also includes a staycation at the South Point. Get in. Bracket Challenge, lvsportsnetwork.com.